Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church, Abraham's Big Test. Pastor Joel is preaching on Genesis chapter 22. This is a message I've been waiting for uh, since back in, in January. So if you wouldn't mind, would you stand one more time as we read God's Word? I want to begin uh, by reading a couple verses from Genesis uh, chapter 22. Genesis 22, beginning in verse 9. Genesis 22, 9. This is the Word of the Lord. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. We'll stop right there. The Lord had told and commanded Abraham to take his son and go to this place he didn't know, to a mountain that he was going to show him. And then on that mountain, as he offers up his son uh, to the Lord, uh, God speaks to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, on a mountain, God speaks. And rather than Abraham hiding or ignoring or doing anything, he undoes the whole thing and says, here I am. Here I am. Let's pray. Lord, as we come uh, to your word, uh, we need your wisdom, your insight. We need your spirit to open our eyes, Lord. Lord, would our our minds be calmed so that we can uh, listen to your voice, that we can hear what you'd have for us even this morning. Lord, that there may be things on, on people's hearts and they're, they're just grabbing onto and it's just so hard to let go. And Lord, would this morning, would you help them? Would you gently, graciously uh, open their hands so they could offer it to you? That you would shape their hearts and call them to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may go ahead and have a seat. Well, we began our journey in Genesis, if, you, if you've been here the whole time, since in, back in January 9th, and we're, and we're ending it today in chapter 22, uh, our time uh, journeying through Genesis. And, and at, along that time, I've, I've kind of invited you in to see, and, and we've seen as a church really this repeated pattern uh, through the book of, of Genesis. Uh, there's, there's certain scenes that come up over and over again, and we've, we've actually seen this like six times, and maybe you're aware of it, maybe not. Here's kind of the, the, the theme or the overview of the 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 repeated patterns of, of Genesis. We begin on a mountain. As priests to the Lord, uh, there's usually like a tree there or an altar. Uh, the, the phrase, and they began to call on the name of the Lord, is there. The, the humanity and God are functioning as, as they should. Uh, un, until uh, we've seen it, they see something is good and they take it. Do you remember that? And the fruit, they see something is good and they, and they take it and sin enters the world. And it breaks that communion that God had with his uh, priest on this mountaintop. 
Uh, and so we see they start heading off the mountain. And, and, and as that sin enters the world, then all of a sudden we see families dividing all over the place. We see, we see brothers like killing each other. We see uh, um, uh, an uncle and a cousin uh, separating. We, we see uh, these two wives separating. Uh, uh, the families just separate. And then after the families separate, then we see just sin explode in the world. And it just like goes from bad to even worse, just violence all over, until God goes, okay, that's enough. I'm redeeming humanity uh, through these different ways, uh, through a flood, through confusing their languages, through these covenants, until we get back up to a mountaintop uh, where, where humanity is functioning as priests to the Lord again. And we have this communion, this relationship with humanity and the Lord again, until this whole cycle just keeps going uh, on and on. Well, today we end in Genesis 22, and we end on a mountaintop. Uh, but before we begin, I want to I set the whole message up by telling you a story of when I almost got lost in the high Tatris in Slovakia, which is where Anna grew up uh, in those areas. The high Tatris uh, is this mountain range in Slovakia. They're probably about 9,000 feet uh, high, beautiful mountains, and they're all shaped like almost uh, horseshoes in different, in different areas. Uh, I'd spend my summers over in Eastern Europe on summer interns, and we'd do English camps, and for five years, every, there's a one week at the beginning of summer, we would take college students, and we'd go to the High Tatras, and we would hike for a whole week and just spend time talking with students. The thing I loved about the High Tatras is when you get to the top of one of those mountains and you look out and you see all those mountains, you'll actually see clouds, looks like water, that would just come over the top of the ridge of those mountains and then it would just flow down into the valley below. Like it just, it was, a, it was beautiful. Uh, well, it was beautiful unless you were, you were hiking the mountain when the clouds uh, came in. Uh, there was one time where you would go from like uh, seeing miles ahead of you to you couldn't see like three feet in front of you. Uh, we, were, we were bouldering up the side of a, a, one of these mountains in the, in the Tatras, uh, and there was probably, it was, just, it was just like rocks kind of on the side of this mountain that we were going up. About 100 uh, yards over, a football field over, there was this kind of this crev like crevice where it went down, this sharp thing, and we were all just climbing, just kind of climbing up because we knew it kind of entered into where the path would uh, continue up the mountain. Uh, and as we were going over that, uh, all of a sudden one of those clouds just came in. So we could see everything clear as day, and the next thing you know, it was probably just a few seconds, and we were like, we couldn't see a thing. Like, literally couldn't see three feet in front of you. Uh, I remember pausing on that thing and going, okay, I'm feeling very alone. I'm feeling very lost. Uh, I don't even know what to, to do now. So, so every, I think everybody kind of just stood still for a few minutes, like maybe this cloud's just going to keep going and, and then we'll get on our way. But it wasn't, and we just stood there, and, and, and I was, I'm like, I don't want to move because I don't know where that crevice, like 100 yards away, it's a pretty far away, but if you can't see anything and you're disoriented because of this fog is all around you, you you're pretty nervous. Uh, until I heard the voice of Dollybor which was one of the Czech guys that was with us. Hey, Joel, Joel, where are you at? I said, here I am. I'm right here. He's like, just come to the sound of my voice. I couldn't see him. I, I knew it was Dollybor because he has a distinct voice. I know, I know his voice. I knew Dollybor's voice. Uh, and, and so I, I slowly would like make my way up because you could see just the rocks in front of you. I said, Dollybor, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, right here. Joel, here I am. I'm coming. And I slowly would make my way up 
the side of this mountain bouldering. And sure enough, as I made my way up the mountain, you would see even the clouds. If you've ever been in a cloud like that, it's like dissipating around you until we got up above the clouds. I mean, you could just see them just below us. Uh, Listening to the voice of Dalibor led me safely through that confusion that, like, I couldn't, I was felt lost, I felt alone, but listening and responding to the voice of Dalibor led, led me through that, through those difficult times. Now, in a similar way today, as we come to our text, we're going to see that Abraham is asked to climb a mountain with his son Isaac. And there's going to be times as we go along today that it feels like the fog rolls in and we can't even see what is going on here. And, and Abraham is going to need to do just like I did. He's going to need to respond to the voice of the Lord. And we'll see that responding to the voice of the Lord leads to life. Responding to the voice of the Lord leads to life. Now you may be thinking... Yeah, that's great, but I've never heard God's voice before. He's never talked to me. Uh, I mean, it would be great if I got to this situation and I need to go left or right, and God just says, go right, and I went right. It would be just awesome. But how do I even know it's like God's voice speaking to me? Or maybe it's just some bad food I ate. Well, this brings us back to our text today. We're going to see God lead Abraham up this mountain, uh, really leading him with three tests, uh, three tests that we're going to see as God calls to him and he responds, so we'll consider uh, this journey up the mountain in three uh, three tests, and then we'll get a grade at the end. We'll grade Abraham. So here's the first one. Test test number one. Test number one is: Is he going to offer up what he loves the most, or is he going to withhold it? Is he going to to open his hands and let go, or is he going to grasp on to what he can see and what he has right in front of him? Is he going to offer or withhold? Genesis 22, let's begin in verse 1. We're just going to read the the first two verses here. Genesis 22 and verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, the land of uh, seeing, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Uh, This passage, if you've read it before, you might have lots of questions already. And if this is your first time, you might have lots of questions as well. It's almost like a disorienting fog. Uh, So God is asking Abraham to kill his son? Is Is that right? Is that what God would... Do, I mean, I know the cultures of that time would sacrifice. Molech, they would sacrifice their, their children for the God. But that does not sound like something God would, would do. Would he do that? Well, this is a very difficult passage to, to wrestle through. Uh, and so I, I want to make just two observations. As uh, I may not answer all your questions today, and you're probably left wrestling with this later on, but I want to give you two tools uh, two observations to help you navigate it when you, uh, when you think of, of, of this. The first one is this, and this is just straight from the text. The first one is, this is a test. This is a test. Uh, he, didn't, uh, he didn't intend for Abraham to kill his son. This is a test. This is a test. I mean, you give tests. Teachers give tests to show students, hey, you know this, 
right? Or you don't know this. But really, you want to give them a test and prepare them so that they can pass the test. This is, a, this is a test. It says right at the beginning. So as we read this passage of Scripture, the author wants us to know, uh, don't jump any conclusions. This is a test. God is testing Abraham. And it's not like a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend who's kind of like, uh, you know, manipulative. Like, if you really love me, you'll do this, and we'll see if you really love me or not. That's not what God's doing here. He's prepared him over the years uh, to get him to the place where he can say, Abraham, you're ready. You're ready for this, this test. He is prepared. And here, here's the other thing. So it's a test. And, and number two, uh, the words I think are very important. He was to offer his son. He was to offer his son. Now, there's a lot of Hebrew words they could have used here, and we see them in, in lots of sacrificial language. Uh, there's words like, I want you to kill your son. Uh, I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to slaughter your son, which is just about what Abraham's going to do. But he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, go to the mountain where I'm going to show you and slaughter your son. He says, I want you to go to the mountain, and I want you to offer your son. Now, here's the picture, I think, uh, of what God is asking for him to do. You're going to this mountain that you don't know where it's at, but I'm going to show you. You're going to get to the top of this mountain, and there at the top of this mountain, uh, it, the focus is on these open hands. I want you to offer. I want you to let go of the thing that you love and you cherish, and you couldn't think of anything else in the world other than that, and I want you to offer him to me as like a burnt offering. Just offer him. And that burnt offering, that image, it's always in the smoke thing. So once the smoke's gone, you can't get that smoke back, right? I want you to offer him as like this burnt offering to me. I want you to give him up and not hold on. Not grasp him. Not try and control it. And this might be one of the most difficult things to do but also one of the most loving things to do. If Abraham was going to love his son, who he longed for for years, if he was going to love him well, he would have needed to give him up to the Lord, who can protect him, who can care for him, who can lead him more and better than Abraham ever could. It was a gift to Abraham as well, so that he wouldn't have to have shame and guilt, oh, if I just would have done this, and if I would have done this and worry about him. Uh, it's, like, it's like giving him up to the Lord, the thing that he loved the most, and saying, Lord, he's yours. I think for us, it's that child that's going to college that you don't know how they're going to end up. It's going, Lord, they're yours. And in fact, he loves them more than you do anyway. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to pray for them. I've done the best I can. But ultimately, you're the father in charge. It's your future. It's your job. It's your career. Uh, it's your retirement. It's all everything that you're like, when you think of your heart, like pumping and being affectionate for something, something that your, your hands like want to reach out. I don't want to lose this. And, and grasping for it. it God's saying, would you offer that? That's what he did for Abraham. Would, would, you, would you go to the top of the mountain and would you let your hands open and give me your son? Well, God calls to Abraham in Beersheba and he doesn't hide. 
He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't rationalize it. He says, would you offer up your son? And Abraham says, here I am. He's past test number one. Here's the second test, test number two. Is he going to walk by faith or is he going to walk by sight? Is he going to walk by what he knows, what he sees in front of him that's secure? I see these stones in front of me, so I'm just going to stay here. Or, or, or is he going to walk by faith and go, okay, the Lord's calling me. I'm going to keep walking. Look in Genesis 22 and verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkeys. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. They went both of them together. And Isaac said to his, to his father, Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide or see to it for himself, the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Let's stop right there. Uh, Abraham gets this command. I want you to take your son and I want you to go to a mountain and I want you to offer him uh, up. Now, as a dad, I don't know how you sleep that night. Uh, I, the process of what are you asking me to do, Lord? Uh, so he gets up early, he prepares everything, and he sets out on this three-day journey. And can you imagine this trip? I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of small talk. Uh, going on. I kind of think of it like if uh, one of your children was going in for a life-risking surgery that they could live or die at the end of this surgery, and it was going to be in three days, what would the conversations be like the three days leading up to that? My guess is that's the kind of conversations Abraham and Isaac were having. Uh, as a dad, I'm sure it was like, hey, Isaac, you know I love you, right? Yeah, dad, I know. I really love you. Yeah, Dad, you're acting kind of weird. Uh, did I tell you that how long we waited for you? I did? Okay. Did I tell you about that time these like messenger angels came and announced you, you were going to be born? Did I tell you I did that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did I tell you that I love you? Yes, Dad. This is getting weird. But as they go along, even, even Isaac, who's, who's not a little boy, he's probably more like a... Uh, like, a strong man at this point. He's even got questions too. Hey, look, Dad, I trust you, but can you tell me where we're going? He's like, yeah, what's going over to that, uh, that, that over there? I don't really know where, oh, we're going? You don't know where we're going, but we're going. So where are we heading, Dad? You don't know where we're going? Yeah, I know, you, I know you've told me about this before. You, you left your land and you went to a land that God shows you. Are we doing that again? Oh, okay, Dad, here we go. And then three days later, they get to the mountain, see it from afar. And, and Abraham tells these two servants that are with him, hey, wait here, me and my son, we're going to go worship, and we're going to come back. 
And just as they're getting ready, they, you know, they're inventorying everything for their trip up. Uh, and and Isaac, Isaac asks one more question. Hey, hey, Dad. Abraham responds, here I am. Okay, we got the wood and we got the, the fire, but we're missing something. Where's the lamb? We need a lamb. And Abraham responds, God will provide it for himself. God will see to it. He's telling his son, we're walking by faith. Even if we can't see it, we're walking by faith and God somehow is going to make this whole thing work out. He's going to provide for himself. Abraham says, if God says to go, I've learned I just need to walk in faith. So he puts the wood on the back of Isaac to uh, carry up the mountain. Uh, and this is, a, this is an interesting thing as well, because uh, the word for wood in Hebrew is actually the same word for tree. Uh, when, you, when you cut a tree, when does it become wood? Uh, how small does it? I don't know. But it's the same word uh, for tree as in wood. So I don't think, at least when, in our culture, when we think, oh, we give him this, this thing of wood, we think of going up Mount Hood, there's a $5 bundle of wood. And so he's carrying this $5, like, you know what I mean, like $5 bundle of wood. But more than likely, there, there's these trees that he's like snapped off and, and put on his back. So he's carrying like, he's carrying these like bunch of trees on his back that are going to be like the instrument of his sacrifice. So are you starting to seek some connections here? Uh, that very same mountain, in almost 2,000 years, Jesus is going to walk up with the cross on his, his back, the, the tree, the, the wood on his back going up that very same mountain. Look in John 19, 16. It says, John 19, 16. So, so they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. We get an image, uh, or almost a recreation of what Jesus is going to do 2,000 years before on the same mountain. Well, Abraham is passing this test. He, he's offering his son. He's, he's willing to have open hands. He's walking by faith. I don't know how this is all going to work until finally God gives him test number three uh, on the top of this mountain. Test number three. Will he respond to the voice of the Lord? Will he listen? Will he obey the voice of the Lord? Or will he hide? Will he rationalize? Will he listen to the voice of the Lord and bring and see life? Or, or will he ignore it and bring death? Genesis 22 and verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood or the top of the tree. But Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your only son, your son, your only son from me. 
And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by the thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It shall be provided. You might even have a footnote in your Bible. It shall be provided. It can also be translated in Hebrew, or he will be seen. On the mount of the Lord, he will be seen. Who? The lamb that would serve as our substitute. He will be seen. Now, just going back, uh, when, when Abraham is putting this wood on his son, he's not putting it on this little, little boy. Uh, Abraham, and, and almost all commentaries agree, and even you get it from the text, he's strong. He's journeyed three days in the wilderness and through mountains. Uh, he's the one that's carrying the, the, the weight of the wood that would be used for a sacrifice. That's, that's a lot of wood. And we see uh, several times that there, there's this partnership and trust between the father and the son, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, and so if, if Isaac really wanted to, he, he could have said, no, I'm not getting up there, Dad. You're nuts. No, I'm not going up there. No, I'm not carrying that thing. But instead, you see this, this son who, who obeys and responds to the voice of his, his father. And, and Abraham, as he's laid his son before him, has his hand up, bringing this, this knife. He's just about to slaughter his son, and he hears this, this voice, Abraham, Abraham! And he, he responds the third time, here I am, here I am. I'm listening. I'm ready to respond. What, what do you want from me? I've given up control. I've stepped in faith. And now you see him responding to the voice. He says, Lord, here I am. What do you want? I'll listen to your voice. I'll obey what you have to say. And he looks up and he sees a ram caught in a thicket. There's, there's the lamb. Oh, no, it's the ram. The lamb doesn't come till later. This is a substitute for... The, the substitute. He sees this ram who's going to be a substitute for his son. And can you just imagine, how fast would you go over there to grab that ram so that it wouldn't go away? And once you got there, how tight would you squeeze that lamb so that it wouldn't run away? And how thankful would you be for that ram who's just given you your son back? You wouldn't let go. Thank you for giving up your life that I could have my son. He was as good as dead, and the Lord is bringing him back to life to me because of the substitute of the ram. And you think, what if, what if Abraham, with, his, with, with the knife up, what if he wouldn't have listened? Abraham, Abraham, hold on, God, I'm busy right now. Abraham, Abraham, oh, maybe that was something in my eight. That feels weird. Abraham, Abraham, no, hide, it's God. What if he wouldn't have responded like that? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it would have been death for his son. And we think, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could hear God's voice? His words, to, wouldn't it be great if God spoke and we could hear his words? Like, like I wish he talked to me. And here's the good news, he has. In fact, he's written it all down. 
so that you can have it when the fog rolls in and you don't know what to do. He said, here's my word. These are words that bring life. But, but how often do we uh, ignore them or we're too busy or, or we're hiding? And God's like, I'm speaking to you all the time through my words in, in my Bible to you that I've given you. It, that's on your shelf. That's just sitting. These are words that bring life. And yet, if we're too busy or we're hiding or we don't want to read them, how often does it bring death and destruction on our way? Well, Abraham's passed the test. He's gone through these three tests, and God now gives him this grade. With with empty hands, God is able to uh, just pour down this blessing on him. So so much stuff that he couldn't even imagine. We're above the fog now, and and we're seeing this larger picture. This isn't about Abraham and Isaac. We we see this grand scope of history uh, of what's going to happen from this mountaintop. Look in verse 15, Genesis 22, 15. We'll see a seed of uh, the promise. We'll see the, the blessings to the nations. Genesis 22, 15 says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall Possess the gates of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have listened to my voice or obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. Abraham has passed the big test. He's the above the fog. His hands are open, and he's able to receive this blessing from the Lord. He gets this much bigger picture of what's, uh, what's going to happen. He, he's going to use him uh, to bless all these nations. There's going to be this seed that is going to come. It, he is going to use him through history that people in boring Oregon are going to be talking about him 4,000 years from the time of, of his death simply because God says, here, I'm giving you this test. Come, listen to my voice. Come on. And he gets the best view of anyone as he's above the, the fog. On that same mountain later on is where the, the temple will be built. Uh, they, they, many people suppose, and I don't know how you confirm it, but they, uh, other than history, that the Holy of Holies, the place where the altar was, the Holy of Holies, was the same altar that Abraham had, had built. This is a prophetic reenactment, a prophetic reenactment of a scene that will come later. Uh, chapter 22 is a prophetic reenactment of a scene that's going to come later. Um, there's a research professor at the University of Birmingham in England, Andy Payton, and he says this. I'm going to end with this quote. On the surface, Genesis 22 is a problematic passage. But when we see how this story fits in with the broader context of Scripture, we see that this is one of the clearest stories pointing us towards God's solution to the problem of death and sin in our world. In choosing Abraham, God launches a plan to rescue the world. Abraham's words to Isaac ultimately point to Jesus. God himself will provide the sacrifice. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world will stand as a substitute for you and for me. On that mountain, God himself 
will be seen as the lamb. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, so we end Genesis 22 on the mountaintop with this sacrifice. And, and um, later on this summer, after a couple of weeks, we're going to get to the book of John. And we're going to see how Jesus fulfills all of this stuff. Uh, but until then, let's just glory and bask and worship and the wonder of God and his love and his humility. Now let me pray one more time. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for using broken people for your glory and your kingdom and how uh, you call people and give them second and third and fourth chances because there's a substitute for us. So Lord, would we, uh, even today, uh, if there's something that someone is just holding on to so so tight, a situation that they're dealing with, um, a financial situation, a health situation, uh, Lord, something about career or the future, and they're trying to hold on to it, Lord, would you, would you allow them to open up and offer it to you? Lord, would you, would you uh, allow us to hear your words? Would we spend time in your word so that we could respond and walk by faith to you? And Lord, I just pray that we would listen to your voice and respond even this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.